Thank you so much for tuning in to the North Carolina New Teacher Support Program podcast. I'm Carrie Brewington, and I'm excited to host this episode for you today. We are well into season two of this series and planning continues to be our focus. Today, we will be looking at using knowledge of students to inform teaching and learning. With this concept comes great responsibility for this is the heart of all teaching. After all, learning takes place in an environment that is positive, where students feel supported and yes, they feel a sense of belonging and community. So how does this happen? Teachers create these environments by getting to know students, by allowing students opportunities to get to know each other, and by building this safe place where students are welcome and differences are celebrated. When we dig deeper into the topic of using knowledge of students to inform teaching and learning, there are different avenues to this approach. One is that teachers merely need to pre-assess students for readiness levels, read and be familiar with student data. A lot of times we call this disaggregating their data. They take time to get to know students' academic strengths and areas that need further developing. Which standards will a student be naturally inclined to excel in and which standards do students need remediation in? Yes, all of this is so important to the instructional process, but that isn't really the heart of teaching now, is it? Yes, we can get to know our students academically, but in order to successfully teach them all, teachers need to gain a deeper knowledge of students, of who they truly are, not only as learners, but as people. So another way to explore this construct is to consider how to build that classroom community where all students are understood and have a personal learning plan that best suits them. There are many great strategies that teachers employ to get to know their students beyond simply what the data is telling them. Engaging students and caregivers in conversations about their cultures, allowing them opportunities to tell their stories about who they are and what they value all can help build these types of productive and positive relationships that help educators better inform themselves into meeting the needs of their students. I'd like to share a story about a young student named Arthur. Arthur was born in the Dutch West Indies and was six when the Japanese invaded his country during World War II. He was interred in a concentration camp. Camp life was hard and brutal. He suffered chronic hunger, cruelty from the guards, periodic outbreaks of deadly disease, and an ever-present atmosphere of fear and anxiety. After Japan was defeated, he was enrolled in a government school. Given the amount of instructional time he missed, he was placed in a class with children three years younger. There was no question his basic skills in reading, writing, and math were behind his peers, but the school made no provisions for the intellectual and emotional learning Arthur had been engaged in during his time in the camp. The school perceived Arthur through the lens of his deficits. 
They focused only on the basic academic skills he was lacking. Arthur retired as the managing director of a major oil company and recalls being alienated and confused. He states, because I was behind in my reading, the teacher treated me as she would a much younger child. She gave me the same books as the other younger students. No one seemed to understand or appreciate my experience. The other children, they were interested in movies and shopping and clothes, all of which I didn't know anything about. They were kind and friendly. I just couldn't understand them. There was nothing I could relate to. I felt as though I had been dropped onto another planet. In the past, teachers didn't systematically or rigorously try to gather information that would allow them to better know their students. Fortunately, today, educators understand that they can't leave this to chance and the peril of not undertaking this inquiry is not reaching a learner at all. Developing an in-depth understanding of each learner enables teachers to, first of all, create a psychologically safe environment for every learner to determine each student's readiness for learning, to identify multiple access points to the curriculum to increase engagement and success, and finally, develop and demonstrate greater emotional intelligences in the classroom. And we're gonna take a look at each of these in more detail. So first, as our favorite philosopher Maslow proposed in his hierarchy of human needs, basic wants must be met before students can turn their attention to learning. After basic needs are secured, their next needs of affection, belonging, and esteem come into play. This trust creates a psychologically safe atmosphere, giving students the security to create new ideas and adjust pre-existing mental models to accommodate deeper learning. In determining each student's readiness, in his classic work, Thought and Language, psychologist Lev Gotsky coined the expression zone of proximal developments. That's a big fancy way of looking at a very specific type of readiness. The discrepancy between what the child can accomplish independently and what the child can achieve with skillful adult interventions. Teachers often think of learning readiness as dependent on knowledge, understanding, and skills. However, readiness is profoundly influenced by an individual's prior learning successes or failures, their self-esteem, their sense of self-efficacy, cultural norms, life experiences, dispositions, and attitudes. When we systematically get to know each student, we can then consider all these factors to pitch instruction more precisely to a student's optimal zone for learning. It is also important to identify multiple access points to the curriculum. Access points are connections that make content relevant. This can be through experiences, interests, or tapping into one's way of thinking. Coming to know these unique access points allows students to have 
personal interests in their own learning efforts. And finally, developing and demonstrating greater emotional intelligence. This can best be developed through learning profiles that feature five dimensions, biological traits, cultural and societal factors, emotional and social influences, academic performance, and learning preferences. As educators, developing these profiles takes time and is a fluid and ongoing process. Yes, as educators, we are always working to improve our instructional practices to best meet the needs of our students. We are so fortunate today to have with us a guest who is very experienced in creating these types of learning environments that we are discussing. Let me now introduce you to a 20-year educator and principal at an alternative high school here in North Carolina. First of all, thank you for joining us. As a principal at an alternative school, how do you encourage your teachers to use knowledge of students to inform their teaching? Well, thank you for having me. Here at JW Turlington School, which is a 612 alternative school for students who in a smaller, more personal instructional setting, is a priority that each of my teachers do take time to get to know each student on an individual basis. We do this by, say, building relationships. Our teachers are encouraged to share personal stories and find common interests with their students. We have a strong MTSS program in place, which stands for multi-tiered system of support. And that addresses the social and emotional needs of our students. <clears throat> We also have an initial enrollment meeting with parents or caregivers in which teachers are present. We set personal goals, and these are both academic and social. We tour the facilities together and then in an informal manner, which encourages conversation and allows parents to ask questions and ease any concerns they may have. Together, we all build a common understanding of our students' readiness levels, and we get a clear direction for their learning process. Well, thank you for sharing. We appreciate your time and we appreciate you sharing your expertise with us on this topic. So now that we have heard from a school administrator about the importance of getting to know students and what they are doing at a larger building level, let's review some practical strategies you can use to ensure you are taking the proper systematic and rigorous steps to accomplish this task. As coaches with the North Carolina New Teacher Support Program, we strongly believe in action. We develop our professional development sessions to ensure we provide practical strategies that can be used immediately to support any theories or ideas that we are discussing. A great way to begin the year is with simple student interest surveys. These are already pre-made for all grade levels and you can find them online. This allows students a chance to share with you their interests, thought processes in a non-threatening way. You can also do a similar activity through journaling or a short essay. Activities like interest bingo allows teachers to learn about likes and dislikes. Four corners works well. For example, a question you may ask is, when I'm learning something new and challenging, corner A, I need to see it. Corner B, I prefer to hear about it. Corner C, I need to move around the room. 
corner D. I like hands-on. There's grounding activities, which is an old Native American traditional activity where you ask emotional questions. For example, tell me your name and nationality. What languages do you speak? What is the best thing about your culture? And how do you feel about this class? Another very simple one is called like me. And you stand and sit. For example, stand if you are right-handed. Stand if you like to sing in a choir. Stand if you speak more than two languages. Line up is a great one. For example, you may line up alphabetically by the city of your birth and you allow students to share. Here in my location, we're near Fort Bragg, which is a very transient town and many North Carolina towns are. And so you can get a lot of great and interesting information this way. These are just some fun, interactive, and quick, inexpensive ways to get to know your students. And always remember though, behind the scenes, teachers are always mindful of even more subtle cues from their students. For example, the immediate classroom environment, the sound, the light, the temperature, the desk arrangement, students' emotional drive, their levels of motivation and persistence and self-efficacy, their sociological preferences. Students prefer to work alone or in different sized groups, for example, pairs or large groups. Students' psychological preferences, which determine perceptual strengths, such as auditory learning or visual or kinesthetic preferences. Some students are logical, mathematical, some are musical and rhythmic, and others have interpersonal preferences. And finally, processing indications which determine if a student is a right or left type learner, impulsive or maybe more reflective, and global or analytical indications. As you move forward with your planning process, we encourage you to make knowledge of students an intentional, systematic, and consistent part of your instructional process. Thank you for joining us today as you take time out of your busy schedules to continue your professional growth. I'd like to reiterate that by getting to know your students, that really is the heart of teaching. As educators, we are the beacons of light and hope for each young, impressionable child. Thank you.